Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, Jason, how are you? Pretty good, thanks. Doing all right. Yeah, no, I'm doing okay. Um, just, uh, hey, when you were a kid, just a curious question. Do you remember how you learned how to breathe underwater? Uh, no, can't, can't think off the top of my head. I was probably thrown into the water by my dad. <laughs> Or a cousin or something. Yeah, well, I got my son in swim lessons. And so the instructor is talking about how there's a way you learn to hold your breath underwater by first having your mouth open, which is not something I ever remember. So I just find oh. that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, I don't remember that, that. That's good, though. My, my daughter's already a way better swimmer than I'll ever be. So I'm, I'm happy uh, for that. Uh, yeah, she's, she's pretty much a fish. It's actually really exciting to see, like, by the time I started, I should say by the time my parents tried to give me the swimming lessons, I was like the oldest one okay. um, with each of the levels. And that was disheartening. Um, actually, come okay. my parents did the same thing with my parents did the same thing with me in Kumon because they wanted to bump my grades up, but yeah, okay. Kumon's such a racket too, right? <laughs> I mean, they were making me, here I am in grade nine, right? Trying to, you know, get my math score up and they're making me do like grade five math. Um, it was just ridiculous, right? So. Um, Where's Kumon in Oakville? I've been telling people for a long time that like I never heard of Kumon until I got to university and I met all these other students who had done Kumon. And then when I went back to Oakville, Recently, I saw Kumon near like the near the Sobies, which or my, I think it was like a Kumon, but I don't remember ever there being Kumon around. Where'd you go? Um, Maple Grove Church, right? So oh. what you do is, uh, yeah, you could just go through the back of OT and just walk all the way there, right? Um, um, now they so yeah, in their community center. Okay, they just used the church and the, I guess a room in the church. Exactly. They didn't have the okay. They didn't have their own building. Okay. No. God. No, it wasn't. Yeah. No, it, it's not like it's not like you were interrupting, you know, Sunday prayer for, um, <laughs> you know, in the pews of the confessional to uh, to work on your math tables. No. <laughs> oh man, um, cool man. So I uh, wanted to catch you quick. It was just uh, just a lot of memories all being triggered just with the recent tragic passing of Scott Hall, Raves or Ramon. I don't think he ever got enough credit in a way as being the first true new generation star because all the other guys that we celebrate as new generation stars is like Shawn Michaels or Brett like I mean they were around they kind of at least started before but he's the first real guy that I can think of who he came up and at least I and I think a lot of people just follow only WWF wouldn't have known him from anything else and so here's like this new WWF guy that has no history to Hogan and Warrior and Jimmy Harder, all those guys is just like, here's this new guy and he's like a top guy. He's already facing Brett at Royal Rumble within the first few months. And um, yeah, and so I think of, when I think new generation, I, I think him, I think I always have. I mean, I think everyone was introduced to him through the vignettes, which was like also a gold standard on how they introduced someone. I think before that, they did a really good job with Perfect. Um, so there, there, there were a few hits and misses, like Dean Douglas, you know, trying to lecture people, like, I'm in a raw, Dean Douglas. I mean, that was a complete flop, right? And, uh, and, and you know, the, the goon comes to mind, you know, uh, knuckleball. I mean, they were very cartoonish, but the vignettes was like, 
you know, Razor, you actually like, oh my God, this guy's already like the coolest guy ever. And that's really what he was to me. So in terms of earliest record, um, earliest memories, he was the first heel that I liked and thought was cool. You know, prior to that, I, I hated heels. I was like a proper wrestling fan. Like I, I hated the Nasty Boys because they beat the Heart Foundation. I didn't like the Mountie because he was beating up with a stupid uh, taser like Bret Hart <laughs> and uh, Big Boss Man. Um, but Razor, like, yeah, I had no problem him, like, smashing Coco Beware and the Rocket Owen Hart and, you know, Tito Santana. Like, I was I was cheering for him, and I was cheering. For, I was actually quite upset when 1-2-3-Kid beat him or the Lightning Kid when okay. he was on day one. So, 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 so Razor, like, yeah, so in terms of, you know, early um, – early opinions on Scott Hall, Razor Ramon. Um, I didn't, I, I never watched Scarface, right? Scarface, I watched like years later and then I was able to make that distinction of, of what, what the character tie in. So yeah, I completely dug him on day one. And it was one of those things that I never, the, the, I remember the face, ter- I'll just end on this. I remember the Razor Ramon face turn, you know, when he was feeling with you know, Jeff Jarrett and, you know, all those people. Um, and going for the IC belt against, um, you know, the model Rick Martel. There was the battle world, and then you had to square off later that that night on Raw. Um, I was so invested in the face turn as well, right? Because he, I don't know about you, but like before I knew how wrestling worked, I almost thought like, you know, turning face was like a reward in a way. It's like, <laughs> Good job, young man. Like, like not knowing how the promotion works, not knowing how wrestling works, but I felt like, oh my God, like, you know, I didn't know that they were turning him face. I just, I thought that like, oh, he was becoming a good guy. Like he, like we're, we're the ones that turned him. People yeah. like me who who always liked him since day one. And now finally he's going to be a good guy, right? So um, yeah, that, that that for me is like Razor Ramon, Scott Hall in the early years, just cool heel, cool baby face. So did you find him cool when he would throw the toothpick in uh, the guy's face? You remember when he would say something going to happen to this gold, something going to happen to you? He would. Tell the ring. Oh, ring loved, it. loved it. Loved <laughs> it. Loved it. I I love. So I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember, but I was like one of the first moves I was doing on the playground was putting someone in the STF and not even doing the hold, just um, cinch up on the leg, and then instead of actually okay. grabbing, you know, a face and stretching it, I would just kind of slap him in the back. <laughs> it was such a badass move. You know, here's a guy not even going for the submission hold. He would just use that opportunity. Like he would oh, use the wrestling now. move just yeah. to taunt the guy. It was beautiful. <laughs> so I think that vignettes that came to mind, it's true. It's such a, it didn't seem out of place. Like all the other ones you talk about. About the finishing mm-hmm. move. So oh, yes. Scott's finishing move, the razor's edge. How does that stack up against a other finishing moves of his generation? B finishing mm-hmm. moves of today and C yep. a separate question. Are you surprised that no other wrestler past or present has wanted to duplicate that move other than Sean doing it once as part of the angle to mock razor when he did on the cement, never seen anyone else do it once. Never seen anyone try it. It's just the closest I ever came was Conan, I think doing the razors edge into the power bomb like the luchas do. But other than that, never seen it done. What's I would say, say uh, Mike off. I would say Mike Awesome in ECW had the awesome bomb where, where he'd be in the um, crucifix position and he would. Oh, that's would, right. It was pretty good. Okay, man, such a great question. I'll tell you why. Um, there was a time when like 
like when Kevin Ash did his jackknife, and I'm like, oh man, it's such a sweet move. Like he would just pick you up and just kind of just let you fall. It was just awesome. Um, Sid's Same. power bomb was hit or miss. Vader's just looked like it hurt. I didn't like seeing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Vader's just like what you do to like a, a you know a doll at home, right? Um, and then you know around the like, and then in ECW, man, everyone like you, you talk about the DDT being like a, a routine movement. Everyone had a version of the power bomb or like a tiger bomb or a dragon bomb or running bomb. I thought D'Lo Brown's running power bomb was pretty cool. So there was a lot of time that would pass by, and I'm like, man, all these guys are just killing with power bombs. Like I love the power bomb, but then the groundswell of power bombs was just too much. Yeah. And then I can't remember when it was. Oh yeah. I'll tell you when it was. I'll tell you exactly when it was. Um, when in 2002, when, when uh, NWO came back, WWF. And I think in the first promo, it was, um, it was Hall in a long baggy t-shirt and Hogan and Nash and I, I remember talking to my college friend like wow Scott Hall looks so skinny um he does not look good why the fuck would they sign him and I was reading the dirt sheets at the time and like this man like who's who's he who's he gonna feud with he, there's no way he can raise his edge anymore like, he's lost it oh, I, I was okay. basically basically calling him like a Russell the first Razor's edge that he did on The Rock who's not a small man he just held him up there smiled and then dropped him it was <laughs> first of all the, the fact that he defied me, who I thought he was like this frail guy, not realizing he's still a strong dude, that was number one. Number two, the move just looks sick because in 2002, I had been seeing prior to prior to like the previous five years, I'd been seeing every iteration of a power bomb, multiple power bombs, power bombs into tables. Um, you know, it, like guys like Chris Benoit will use a power bomb just to set up a headbutt. Um, so it was, it was, it was being overused by even guys that I liked and it just desensitized it. Just watching Scott Hall do his patented move, the same move that he did 10 years earlier. It was so simple. He would just hold you up there and he would, he would control you. It was a controlled fall, but it just looked something, something like calculating about it. It's almost like, you know, the, you know, the part of the roller coaster where like the roller coaster ride itself is just teasing you for the big fall. You know, and almost the tease is like is is more impactful than the actual drop. To me, that's what a lot of the razor's edge is. It's like he's just holding you up there. You're you're crashing down. You just don't know when you're finally gonna hit the mat. And yeah. it's just a it's just a cool move. Like I don't care how it resonates in terms of impact. It just looks cool. It's a big, powerful guy, a guy that is actually bigger than what you think he is. Um yeah. Right, because Scott Hall, because like he's always like around Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan, and you don't know where he fits in height wise. But when he picks up a guy like The Rock, it just it was such a crystallizing moment for me for him to do that move on The Rock. So for me, Razor's Edge. I'm glad no one tries to do it, especially I know how much you hate these. Like, new, can you imagine CM Punk trying to do a Razor's Edge? Or something? I, think he, I think he'd blow. I think he'd blow an artery if you saw him trying to do a Razor's Edge because it's just. It, you don't like him and you don't, you don't like his size and you don't want him pulling it off. Yeah. But like, I, that, that's just the thing. Like, unless someone comes along who's built like Scott and who's going to do it exactly. the way Scott does, I don't want anyone touching it at it. So to answer your question, totally Razor's Edge, man, um, the perfect maybe not top perfect five. Guy. Perfect move for the perfect guy. 
I, I could be convinced if it's a top five move. I think in terms so. of like top finishers. Five, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I, I think right. it's a top five move. I think everything you said, totally on point. I don't need to add anything onto that. I'll just say, I'll just re, I'll just sort of roll out a little bit on what you're saying. You're right. If Razor were a bit bigger or a bit smaller, it wouldn't look as cool. He's the right size and the right like build to do that move on guys who could be a little bigger because I think he's we've seen him do it on diesel. I'm not sure. I don't know if we ever got it on diesel. I don't think so, but he, uh, like I'm trying to think now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that was a commitment to like just the authenticity of like, you know, diesel being like it doesn't make sense that the smaller guy would put me in that kind of move, right? Um and it, it, think, just look, I mean, if if you watch the Rick Martel match again, like Rick Martel's like big beefy guy. It just ugh, it's it's just a move that just because he's grab. I think what's what's even more impactful, he's grabbing guys on their most muscular part, which is underneath their armpits, right? So like he's yeah. holding these big, he's holding jacked guys in their jacked arms, <laughs> and it's it's a great visual. And then yeah. boom, he thuds you, and then and then he kind of it's kind of cool because he's on his knees. He does yeah. the um he he wipes his hands clean right yeah. especially heel diesel, and he just kind of does this like nonchalant crawl towards you for the easy one two three. It's just it's brilliant, man. It, it really is the perfect finisher. Yeah, like just like you wouldn't. You I would think hate. I, yeah. yeah, I would I hate say, to you, see today's guys after they do a move like that, and then mm-hmm. one two kick out. And then he has oh, to do the razor's edge like three times in the match. Oh my and god! And then Can maybe still imagine? lose yeah. after that. Uh, just would kill me. Yeah. Would kill me. I, I, like I, I didn't mind the last ride when the Undertaker came because um, oh. it was a cool, different power bomb. It was like you know he grab you yeah. by the trunks and shoot you up and then down. But like, you know, like the Tombstone fits the Undertaker. Like the Stunner fits Steve Austin. Rock so. bottom. Nah, it's, it's it's all right for the Rock. You know, it is what it is. I think it's okay. I think I, I think. I, it's okay, exactly. I, any move would have gotten over, but that move is not like yeah. So, in in terms of the perfect move for the perfect guy, the rock bottom and the rock to me do not fit. But the razor's edge definitely fits. Uh, razor Ramon Scott Hall. You must wonder is that is Razor Ramon the best gimmick? I was asking myself that. Is that actually the best wrestling gimmick that there was of the decade? I mean, because. I mean, people will say Stone Cold, but I guess in my head, Stone Cold's not really a gimmick, you know? Um, Riz, Razor was a gimmick. No, like, yeah, like, um, so a couple things. I, I agree with you that he was the first true new generation because I, I believe that, excuse me, the, um, the new branding, if you will, of the new generation because, you know, Hogan was on his way out. I mean, he would, Hogan would come back for WrestleMania 9. Um, but still, Hogan was like one foot out, and Barry made the pivot with with Bret Hart as champion. Um, Razor was actually um, teaming with Ric Flair at Survivor Series, so like like talk about right. instant instant push, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think people are going to point to Undertaker because of longevity, and you know, congratulations. That's you know, that is a tr- Undertaker is definitely playing a character. Um, yeah. You know completely but but i think in terms of like like i i know who i'd want to be for halloween you know what i mean i know who, <laughs> I, I know whose manner i know whose mannerisms i would rather mimic um and it's like oh well you know scott hall's such a you know rip off of, of scarface i'm like but 
Is he though? I mean, I, to his credit, and what people say the genius was was him of because if you remember Scott Hall going to WCW, he had to. Um, I believe WW, I think Jerry McDivitt and the legal counsel said there's specific things that this Scott Hall character can't say because it's unique to Razor Ramon. And he was yeah. just like, bro, like, I I am Razor Ramon. Like, if you tell me I can't say this and that, I'm just going to find new shit to say. Like, he's, like, yeah. WWF was claiming that, like, the Razor Ramon character was theirs. And Scott yeah. Hall was like, no, like, Razor was me. Like, good luck finding someone else to copy me, which they tried, um, and, and the fake Diesel. So I actually give a lot of credit to, to Scott Hall's creativity because um, the, the, the one of the key differences between the Razor Ramon character and Scott Hall in WCW was like, okay, the over the top, the, the gold chain, like he was actually playing this Cuban from Miami, but like the swag was always there. Like it, yeah. it like never left. Like, like, and, yeah, and you almost sense that with a lot of guys who lose their gimmick. Like one person that comes to mind is Val Venus. When they started making like, Sean Morley or the big Valbowski, they, they, they changed his tights from like all white where it used to be all pink. They cut his hair. I know it's the same. You can just tell when guys lose the gimmicks, they lose their signature moves because they don't, you know, for example, they won't taunt the same way that they used to. You really notice the lack of depth in a lot of guys. So with all that being said, back to your question, is he the greatest gimmick ever? I'd probably have to say yes, because even though he didn't have the longevity, he had all these starts and stops and congratulations to the Undertaker. He was able to, you know, at least wrestle once a year to preserve his streak and preserve his greatness. Um, but man, there was nothing cooler. There was nothing like that you wanted to copy more. Um, I, I think there's more like people doing more like, like, like I've seen more people fling their toothpicks in the last couple of days. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> I do do you know what I mean? There's, there's just certain yeah. things that like Scott, there's certain things that Scott Hall did that, um, you know, have more cachet, whereas The Undertaker is this wrestling character, you know, yeah. everyone, everyone box The Undertaker, and that's, that's what Undertaker, Undertaker is a wrestling character, but Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, man, that was just, dude, you could make that, you, you could, you could, you could put that in a sitcom, you could put that in a musical, you could put that in a, in a rap video, you could put that in a reggaeton video, like, there's there something, there something about Scott, there's something about Scott Hall, the performer playing Razor Ramon, it, it, it's different than the Undertaker, it's different than Stone Cold, it's different than The Rock being, you know, The Rock in third person, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, 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 he's got to be on the short list, at least, as one of the and greatest gimmicks ever. And I'll, I'll tie out with the one point I'll just say about Undertaker before dropping that part is I think that Undertaker, Mark Calloway did the most with actually what could have been a really bad gimmick. And so much of his, his character is really, it's so, it's so much of the stories and angles of the Undertaker because of the nature he can't talk that much because, you know, he's a dead man is, or he's playing like kind of of that, of the type they, they have to rely on so many more props and, devices mm -hmm. in order to get those angles forward that you know it's it's not it's too it's just as you described it's you don't really and even now you can see mark calloway is just a different guy he's just he's playing it's more it's a role it's just not the same it doesn't touch at people the same way now i don't know if it's also a byproduct of we haven't we just didn't get to see like razor long enough in public consciousness but his gimmick like as you say it holds up in so many different contexts but it doesn't become a, it never became a farce. And I don't know if that's just because he wasn't overexposed. Like 
Stone Cold, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, like so many of their, of what they were doing, eventually gets watered down or it gets a bit stale. And Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's just because Razor was in and out for a few years. And then once it went to WCW, well, we'll, I'll come into WCW in a little bit, but but in my head, as these, as the different vignettes and all the stuff that's been showing up on YouTube and Twitter, it still holds up after all this time. And you, you, you watch it. And even when he's cutting these promos as an old guy, you can see him kind of just cutting the promo, like just for fun as an old guy. It kind of still holds up. It doesn't look cartoonish. It doesn't look campish, you know? No. And, and even 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 when he does a shoot interview, it's like you 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 like he's a great storyteller. He's clearly, you know, yeah. You ask him something, um, uh, you know, hey, hey, Bob Holly was shooting on you a couple of years ago. And he, he just he was oh my God. Uh, that's actually a clip <laughs> people should look up. It's like uh, they they showed uh, they showed a clip of Bob Holly um, shooting on on Scott Halls because they asked Bob Holly who's the most unprofessional wrestler <laughs> of all time, and he goes and he goes, it's three people, it's Scott Hall, it's Scott Hall, and Scott Hall, and they show the clip to Scott Hall, and he goes, what do you have to say about that? He goes, well, I don't even think I met, I don't even think I know who Bob Holly was. I remember Spark Plug Holly, and then I remember <laughs> years later, and then I remember years later doing a bunch of steroids and becoming hardcore holly i don't know much about it he like he completely no sold bob holly he didn't care that this guy was shooting on him um yeah. at that time maybe even bob holly was like more on you know mainstream television than scott hall was you know but, like, man, but the guy the guy just couldn't no help it. but yeah he just couldn't help but be cool like or at least yeah. try to be cool or like like it's just it was just in his nature to be like this laid back guy and um you know he knew when to turn it on and not turn it on and it resonated with, with the shooting of you so that i know that if he was alive today and he was able to you know kick out of this um that he would no doubt you know be talking about it going on pat mcafee show or steve austin show and whatnot and, and talking about it and be you know and, and and really really captivating so he was just what a lot of people are in life gifted performers um had demons but you know the genius was there both when they were performing and then not performing just just talking about their performance right so he was um he, he was he was never quite um a dull moment ever i'm trying to remember exactly what that sequence was it was a battle royal right for the intercontinental title razor yeah, and it was him and rick martell Right, because it was down to the final four guys, which was him against the the Quebecers and Martel. So. You're right, and then he eliminated all of them. And so then they turned. All of a sudden, the story became this, like, what do you call it? Like self-made guy from Havana, not Havana or Miami. I forget. He's from Miami. Like they would bill him as from Miami, right? Yeah, I, okay. it's funny. I had the, I had the video game. I okay. had the video game and his, his bio in the video game, uh, Rage in the Cage for Sega CDM. I'll never forget. It was like originally from Cuba. Okay. I don't know yeah. if they ever touched on Cuba, but like, yeah, from, 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 yeah, uh, Howard Finkel would be like from Miami, Florida. Like, that's no right. Question. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I get confused about this with some of the wrestlers, like who they're from. Like, The Rock is from Miami, right? Miami, that's where they build them from. They've always built them that way, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. The Raw. I mean, I remember I was standing like watching Raw because I'm like, I don't think they're gonna put the belt on Rick Martel. Like that just felt so out of place. That felt so out of place in like '92, '93. So Um, I didn't have enough foresight to think like, oh, which guy is more likely to 
win based on what's what would look better. I would just I always thought whoever the two guys are in the ring, it's a it's an even competition. Well, I mean even it's it's a competition. I just thought of it as like a sporting event. You know that's how actually. So I never like thought of it as oh razor can't. I I never thought okay one guy's more favored than the other. You know when I'm really seeing this. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. but when he did win you're like oh wow yeah that was like because i think what resonated too this goes back to what i wanted to say about him about how good a gimmick it is very i mean how many gimmicks can look as as good as a heel because he was really like the top heel i hated him as a heel i don't know or, i don't know if i hated him but i he he just struck a nerve right i didn't like when he would throw the toothpick i didn't like when he would boss people around and bully people around i didn't like it right it just didn't resonate and then like mm-hmm. for me like i just didn't like it but then when he turned face all of a sudden i love the guy um and i don't yeah. think that's that's so easy i'm not even sure how common it is where someone can be so easily just the best heel and then so easily one of the best faces and and then he didn't even lose his swagger when he became a face that happens when people become face you know I mean, it just happens. Even yeah. happened to Stone Cold. Like after probably about six months of his face run, then he kind of did lose a bit of swagger, which might have been more to do with his neck injuries and stuff. But, um, but Scott yeah, I remember. never did. No, no, he didn't. And, and what they did was like, I'm sure you've seen that photo. Like they start like putting photos of Razor Ramon and like inner city situations, like urban kids yeah. and all that stuff. Like, a lot of, that. And, and 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 they they you know because that, that, that's what vince did right like kevin nash was like a badass big guy and then as soon as he's champion they make him smile and he's like everyone's like no you can't vince you can't make him smile like he's he's, he's diesel like he's a, he's a big <laughs> dude like so but with Ra- you're right razor never rate like you could put you could like razor could throw the toothpick at the at the baby faces one week on raw the next week he wasn't doing that and he was hanging out with kids, but yet like he was still the cool guy. He was, he was always Chico. You know what I mean? Like he still threw the toothpick at the heel. He still kept doing absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. No, no. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say yeah. is he, he went from, he went from throwing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just trying to make the point that he, he was throwing the toothpick at the baby faces. Now that he is a baby face. Yeah. He's going to throw the toothpick at the heel, but Oh, by the way, he's going to like, He's gonna hang out with. He's gonna pose with kids. He's gonna be on Jerry Springer with like a Make a Wish kid. Um, you know, he's gonna do all these things and like he's still the cool guy with like all this ridiculous jewelry. You assume <laughs> that he's still living his lavish lifestyle with the chicas and all the stuff that he would talk about and drive, you know, the cream puff cars and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So yeah, man, he was just he never he never lost his cool. And it's so typical of when. He, heels especially when they become baby faces and they're like you know then they started to be like oh it's so great to be here in cincinnati ohio they'll do something corny that's just like man you weren't you didn't do this six months ago why are you doing this now right yeah you never got that with scott hall you never got that with scott hall um i I would say my only complaint was that i remember like there was matches against like the one two three kid heel one two three kid against um face Razor Ramon, and there'd be matches where like Jeff Jarrett was a heel against like face Razor Ramon, and uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of. I wasn't buying like him being able to get beat up. Like he just wasn't a sympathetic. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, just, I just couldn't. I could just never get behind Dean Douglas, Jeff Jarrett, 
um, all these guys like beating this like six foot seven guy, and then, and then Scott <laughs> Hall would make his comeback. But with but you know because they just didn't have what Brett would have done, which would have been like targeting a leg, targeting a, a you know you know switching heat, and then Razor was able to do that. That so if anything it was probably more of Scott's opponents than um, yeah, I was just gonna than, say being a, they were just not good yeah. wrestlers. Jeff Jarrett and no. Shane Douglas are not good. That's yeah. just it. I don't care how long they've been in well, the business. They're just not good. I don't yeah, care what don't titles care they've had. Dad, yeah, you don't care who their daddy is either, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I get that. We can do a whole yeah. discussion on that. Separate. But yeah, no, you're right. Um, the, the, the psychology just just wasn't there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and then, you know, the, 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 the face turn. I mean, when he fought Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10, he was a complete face. Yeah. He was a face during the match. They had to kick out Diesel, you know, at, at the, you know, one third of the match in. And then him and Sean were having that match. And like he won. And I never, I never thought this was corny. I never thought that, like, oh my God, you know, Scott Hall wins the match. Like, you know, I, I never was cheering for Shawn Michaels at that point. Like, man, this was such an important match. It felt yeah. big, it was in a it big did. arena. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, pro- probably has to be his like, I mean, maybe, 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 maybe Bash of the Beach and that whole turn, you know, in 96 was like the biggest angle he's been a part of. But for in terms of like a one night, put a pin on it. Match, match. Um, Best match. Yeah. I would have think it was that one. Yeah. I was going to yeah. ask because I, it's the one that he'll always probably be most remembered for. Right. Even if it actually might not have been his best, because I'm just thinking about matches he had with Brett at rumble and King. And also when he had SummerSlam with Sean again, but the one at WrestleMania 10, I mean, I think part of what made it special was number one, Sean was great heel top heel at the time. And that it wasn't like today when they have to sell promote and hype a ladder match. They just said, Sean and Razor are going to settle the score because when Razor won the IC title against Rick Martel, you, as you mentioned, the reason why that was up even up for grabs was because I think that's when Sean just gave up the belt, right? That's when he walked away. And so then yeah, Sean comes was, back with the one second. Of, one of many, one of many jobs without actually doing the jobs. Yeah. Sean Michael lost his smile first time out of 14, probably during his career. Yeah. And then he showed up with, his belt saying hey i was ne- i never lost and so that was the mm-hmm. unification belt that's why they had the two titles uh, and then the way they Which would settle sense. it yeah it did yeah and so the ladder match was just infused it was part of the feud it, it, it's like by the but when you were show when we're watching it you're right it was just whoa we're really watching something historic we didn't know we were going to yeah. watch it we came to watch sean and razor finally settle this feud and they were always putting on great matches or just you you could you could tell they had the great chemistry just just the the way the way they could cut promos, even the way they the way their their wrestling styles were, that it was gonna be great. But we didn't anticipate we were gonna be watching some match that still gets talked about. Uh, what year was that? It's over twenty years ago. Wow, yeah. And then uh, ninety four, right? 94. Yeah, because that was yeah. WrestleMania ten. So then, yeah. um, so then when when you mentioned Bash of the Beach. I was thinking too, what was the, what was kind of the ultimate angle for him? It really was that because as much as too is the praise we're going to give Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, it was actually when Hogan stood next to them that elevated those two guys to a, to a whole other level. Cause as much as we praise new generation, looking back at the time, you know, as fans, you, we still did hold the original 
stars on the higher level just because they're the ones who had been main eventing all those different WrestleManias and like working on the different cards with Hogan. So so Nash and Hogan, Nash and Hall, like Razor and Diesel, they were in their own little universe with the new with the new generation stars and didn't ever get a chance to interact with Hogan and 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 mm-hmm. um and and Sting or well not Sting, but I'm trying to think who of the top guys were at WCW at the time. So standing next to Hogan did put them on well, the, it was, whole it was, other level. It was it was it was Luger, it was Savage, it was Sting. Yeah, that's I right, actually that's I actually right. heard so so um I just want to say half hour before you and I start recording, I'm about halfway done listening to Jim Cornette talk about um, Scott Hall. He, he brought up a brilliant point to where you said bash the beach. So you're right. Two new generation stars. Clearly Eric Bischoff thought highly of them to, you know, pay him and, um, you know, book them in this angle where it's like invasion angle, internet still in its infancy. I mean, there's still chat rooms and whatnot, but really the dissemination of news wasn't as instant as in today. So like, yeah, half people are probably wondering like, what the fuck are these guys doing on TV um, on WCW? <clears throat> but the way Jim Cornette said it was that Hogan had to have seen how hot that angle was coming, you know, and he, he Hogan's a smart guy. So when it was, potentially pitch that maybe a sting or a luger would be the guy that would turn hogan's like nah brother i want to be part of this like if i'm going to turn heel this is the way to turn heel like these like he, he, he's just too smart of he's just, he hogan's just always been able to manage his career a certain way and for him to realize that yeah you could look at it as scott hall and kevin nash were hitching their wagon to hulk hogan but in a lot of respects it was hulk hogan hitching his wagon to these two guys, of course, for personal gain and whatever. And of course, Hogan would come out looking like the leader, which he did. And, you know, he, he would get the run and the second career that he got. But you had to have believed that any NWO storyline, like, um, can you imagine if like, oh, we just talked about them earlier. Imagine they did, um, imagine they did a WWF takeover in WCW, but instead of Nash and Hall, it was, um, you know, uh, Dean Douglas, and Jeff Jarrett. I imagine they went with those two for example. You no, think Hogan's no, going anywhere near that shit? No. No. It took it took Hall. It took Nash. They were believable. It did. Nash was a former cha- yeah. Nash was a former champion. He held the title for over close to a year on WWE TV. Scott Hall, fine, never was champion, but everyone was you know he was the guy that beat Shawn Michaels, the the then current um, WWF champion when the NWO was first in its uh, inception. So. You know, they they just like they had real credibility, and you know, Eric was booking these guys as monsters. And if you remember, like the early um, incarnation of NWO, everyone would kind of stand away from these guys because they didn't know that oh, these are two bad dudes. So like all the jobbers would run away from them, all the announced crew, and all that. So I think that actually speaks to to Scott Hall's credit. I think that's the point Jim Cornette was trying to say that like, listen, man, Hogan saw something in these two and wanted to be a part of it. No, for sure, for sure, that's all true. Like those guys, Nash and Hall, had to be ready for that rub. But I mean, that rub did. I'm just saying that that rub like put it over. Let's say that that mm-hmm. doesn't happen. I just think that the turning of Hogan into a heel with those two, I think, like, it was definitely like like razors razors like persona and everything he'd accomplished to that point along with diesel like for sure that was critical two former champions from wwf two cornerstone guys showing up 
um, who had all that credibility that we talk about, but then getting the final, like the kingpin of the whole business to go over with them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It just, it, it, it just was, if we're being like, if we're just being really truthful, as much as we kind of Hogan gets his criticism, like getting Hogan to join that stable, like it did oh, yeah. elevate the credibility of, of Diesel and Razor to the peak at that point like they are now Absolutely. made men and so then it then you for sure is those guys carrying hogan forward because hogan's character was pretty much getting tired and stale at that point like it was it's what it is we've been seeing it and over and over um then beyond that though question most of what we talked about for this pod has been wwf years because the, the, in my head the matches and the angles at wwf were so much more like present so much more um memorable do you have any favorite matches or angles from wcw because to be honest i don't i really can't i all i really have great memories of is like the early few like spots where they show up with together in the early days of the nwo like um showing up on the first promo and then later when they beat up eric bischoff and later when they bring the bats just those few things right but other than mm -hmm. that the real memory was just him like showing up to the ring with like 60 other guys and while well, eric bischoff cuts a promo and i'm sure that he appreciated it because it's just like the easiest kind of money that you can make the, the you know mm -hmm. just showing up and that's it but do you have anything that stands out from wcw besides the beginning i do a, yeah i do a little bit and it, okay. it, you're right i don't think scott hall is going to be remembered i think scott hall should be remembered as a guy that was actually pretty damn good in the ring i mean he, yeah for sure he bumped well for a big man. He credits that to Ric Flair. Um, I think like, and if you go back to his AWA stuff, you know, him and Henning, you know, and he was so much, he was so much more uh, bulkier on top. He really slimmed down and, you know, got a, um, well, actually, no, I think he slimmed down in WCW as Diamond Stud and then um, uh, leaned out that way. But um yeah, like I'm, I, I, so in subsequent years, I've seen like a lot of AWA stuff and even a lot of, you know, his matches with Brett, the Royal Rumble match was, was great. And I think he was just so easy going that he didn't care. Like, you know, a lot of people like, like Kurt Angle wants to have the best match on the night. I don't think Scott Hall particularly cared for that, even though he, he could have a pretty decent match. Um, I don't think he was ever begging, you know, Pat Patterson or Kevin Sullivan say, Hey man, I really want to go 20 minutes tonight. You know, let, let me and so-and-so go 20 minutes tonight. <laughs> I don't think it was a wrestling for that, but like great worker, great bumper, great working punch. You want to talk about like, like you know, I was might, just going to say, he might, he might have a the top one that... five. He might have a top five best punch ever in wrestling. It was you, clean. You, um, you have remained consistent because the very first time you said that we were in high school you said best punch in the business, Razor Ramon, or best punch mm. in the business, Scott Hall, whatever. But it, I never even thought of it. You said it. I sat quietly and thought, wow, that's so true. And here yeah. we are 20 plus years later, you're, you're still saying it. It's really, you know, it, it really gets consistent. easier to say it. It gets easier to say it because the punches oh, are so bad now. Everyone's doing, <laughs> these, everyone's doing these stupid forums now because... You know, they saw a Don Fry match back in Pride, and they think that's the way to go. Um, 
I mean, forget about it. Like that's just, yeah. So anyways, his working punch was great. He was so nasty in the corner too, especially in WCW. So uh, what I remember in WCW was um, that, that overhead camera on the turnbuckle and he'd be so nasty with guys in the corner. He'd be slapping. I mean, you, the, they were really mic'd up um, and you can hear him like talking trash to like, I don't know, like Glacier and a bunch of other guys, Jim, Jim Powers or whatnot. Um, I just think he... You know, he was a product of guaranteed money, showing up when he wanted to. He had his, he had his demons. Um, I still think he's the best. I think he's, I still think he's the greatest never to win a championship. Because I was going to ask about that too. Yeah. Because, because I have to put him ahead of like Owen Hart and Mr. Perfect and whatnot. Because so he was, he, he got a title shot in WWF. So it was him and Brett. And then he never really got one after that. And then in WCW, he, I mean, he won World War Three. Um, and he oh, won yeah. like a lot of he, he won a lot of decent singles matches. There was one time, if you want to ask me what my fondest memory of of kind of him as a wrestler and singles wrestler, there was one time where, oh my god, it was like late '99, maybe 2000. WCW it was like there was LWO, black and white, gold and red, pink and blue. Uh, there was all the like the. the, the WCW was just in the tank. They were in this purgatory between like Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo. Um, half the guys were showing up on Thunder. Half of them were on Nitro. It was so bad. Scott Hall had this gimmick. One of those la- one of the last gimmicks where he wasn't part of either NWO. I don't even remember this. So he wouldn't come out to any of the NWO music. It was just he'd come out to nothing. And his gimmick was no nation. I remember Mike tonight saying no nation. Uh, he's a man without a nation, Scott Hall. That was his gimmick. It maybe they maybe did it for like three weeks, and he had some really good matches. Man, he had a match against like Disco Inferno that I think went for two commercial breaks. I'm just like, fuck, yeah, man, good for you, Scott Hall. Because at the time, you you know about his issues, and you're really cheering for the guy. I remember the next week he had a match with Kurt Henning, and I'm like, fuck yeah, like another good match. I'm like, I'm getting really excited. And then the following week, a match with probably Conan or something like that. And I was really getting into it. I'm like, wow, they're, they're doing something here. And then he's off TV for three months for God knows what reason, right? <laughs> and that was, I think that was the unfortunate part of Scott Hall. I think had he been committed, had he been available for like, you know, there, yeah. there weren't so much starts and stops. Absolutely, he would have been um, a champion. Probably not a, probably still a transitional champion. I don't think he's a guy that you have the confidence that can go out night after night. Okay. Um, do the programs had... yeah. Yeah, yeah i don't think you can do a long program but like but you know here's the good thing about wcw they had a lot of great one night things where like yeah. luger won the belt one night on nitro like that to me scott hall should have had a moment like that where it's just like one night yeah you know nash is injured hogan's injured someone's got to beat the giant and it's like oh my god it's scott hall and you know he yeah. gets to have like you know he gets to have the belt and it's a shame we never saw that so for me Yes, I do consider him probably the greatest never to win because it like he didn't have the same impediments that like Owen Hart had, right? Owen Hart, it was gonna take it's gonna take a lot of work to make him champion. And it's gonna take a lot of like Bret Hart giving his blessings and like a lot of uh, and, and not Owen, a lot of office politics. Owen never had the crowd. I mean you can't. he never had the crowd, yeah. He, well obviously a heel run right i mean Uh, you have to picture him at you have to picture him as owen if owen were not a heart he'd he'd kind of be shane douglas or jeff jarrett you know he'd be a more talented shane douglas or jeff jarrett like he just 
he I think there was a time. I think there was a time where, like, you know, they had their ladder match at SummerSlam. I think you could have made Owen Hart a champion for like a month and then, you know, take the belt off him. I would have seen no issue there. He doesn't have to tour with the belt. Like, you know, back then, the champion was the guy that had to be like the highest paid. He had to be like, you had to go take him to Europe and he's got to be the headlining act. You don't really have to do that with Owen Hart. Like, really, it was just going to be. Yeah, you transitional know, champion. I, mean, I, I, I get what you're think saying. Think about it. Think about Okay, think you, about it. They put the belt on Bob Backlund. I mean, I'm, I think Owen Hart would have been a better champion than Bob Backlund, you know, in the mid '90s. Yeah. So I think yeah. he could have done a whole lot worse. Okay. So, but that's what you're saying. And, and, and with Scott Hall, yeah, I would have liked for him, um, for him to be like, you know, a champion for a night or a week, or you know, one of those transitional champions. Um, because because the thing is, WCW had plenty of those. I mean, Kevin Nash was champion for a day. So, I mean, you when you say best to never. Um, the best to sorry, the best to never win it. You put him above Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake. Oh, hundred percent. Oh wow, I totally hundred percent. Jake, even on an even footing, even footing. I think, yeah, I put Jake at an even footing with uh, with with Razor. I mean, different the generation. Day, the, day that, the day that Jake and Randy had their feud, I was like. Because I think, yeah, because that's what happened. Savage won the belt um, at Mania later that year. That was like the last feud. And then Jake would go off and feud with The Undertaker. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I remember thinking at the time, like, okay, Jake and Savage, like, Savage has got to go over. He, he like, even though he's wearing the t-shirt at the time, like, he just, he, he just looks better. Um, I don't know, something about, um, yeah, something about, I love Jake, don't get me wrong, but I, you know, no way. No, I think I put Jake. I, I think I, I, I probably I, I'm probably going to mention a few names before I get to Jake in terms of most deserving to. Okay. Uh, or we can maybe make that know. another another topic. But mm -hmm. if it's Razor mm -hmm. and Jake for sure. I put Razor above Jake in terms of who was really primed to win it. You think he was on the verge of winning it, but just didn't. Jake, I think also maybe I'm a bit too young to really remember some of the stuff he did. But there's nothing really that's that I think is at the level of what razor did scott did um yeah i mean and, no. and jake was like uh, I don't know, jake was probably like a florida georgia champion or something like that and i don't know scott hall i think i believe scott hall was with in, in dusty's florida promotion he's in no no, no, no this no this is this is before awa he was with dusty okay. in uh, florida championship wrestling then went to awa because that's where he met Kurt Hennig. I think they worked together. That's where he met Kurt. They did. Yeah. Well, yeah. They were tag. They won. They were AWA tag champions. And then okay. he did a bunch of he did a bunch of AWA stints. He tried to he tried to do AWA and WWF, and they wouldn't let him. But they let Vader for some reason, which was which pissed him off. Um, that's that's <laughs> allegedly one of the reasons. That's allegedly one of the reasons why he um, he had no. Well, I shouldn't say no issues, but that was the driving force. But, to start negotiations with WCW when Vince wouldn't let him go to um, All Japan. What What do you think? Because um, I saw, um, uh, I think one of the the last Scott Hall documentary I saw in WWE. He's like mentoring the NXT people. Okay. Um, and that was interesting because if you watch today's product, what the hell kind of advice can he give these people? <laughs> these people. Well, think about it because like. I'm not talking about lifestyle. I'm talking pure wrestling. He was, I don't think he was a guy that was overly produced, um, nope. told what to say. Um, 
I yeah, mean, no. talk about like talk about all the gems we're missing out. I have no problem with Vince coming up with a crazy idea because you know, for every you know, for every gobbledygooper, there is um, you know, there is a Razor Ramon, or um, an Undertaker. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, yeah, right? The Undertaker the, and Gobbledygooker came out at the same pay per view, right? Right. So, um, but you're know, right. I, it's just the way that the wrestlers interact and and how they work, right? It's like every wrestling match has been talked about and planned out before they got in the ring. Whereas when you look at Razor's matches in the 90s and really all the like Diesel, Sean, Brett, it's like you just can get the feel that these guys are just in the match and they're in the match. They didn't show up with like a script that they're following of this is all the things I'm going to do. Um, and what do you, what do you, what do you think of, he's also famous for the Madison Square Garden curtain call. Contextually, um, what do you, what do you think about old heads saying, oh, they shot on, they shot on Vince McMahon's uh, living room table when they did that and Vince Senior, that's Madison Square Garden. Um, when that story was becoming a thing, especially when Triple H's popularity was coming up, um, you know, when he was becoming the game and they were going to put the belt on him and then they replayed that footage. Um, do you remember having like an opinion on the Madison Square Garden curtain call and so those guys being involved? It was it was DX, Sean and Triple H who put that up on the video and then Vince had to, you know, put on the, the that face where he's like, get that off, get that off the screen when Vince was still commentating. Um, yeah. And DX, mm-hmm. so Sean, so Triple H his emergence was sort of coming out of nowhere that his mm-hmm. whole career is a really interesting arc. When you think about it, he really shouldn't have had the career he did, but he did manage to, which is a testament to him. I had no, I had, mm-hmm. I did not actually even know what I was looking at in the, when they showed it up on the Tron, I had not seen it before, had not heard about it. So I totally was unaware of any of that story until after that happened. So I actually had no reaction and no thought. Um, and whenever someone's saying they're, shitting on tradition i never have any opinion otherwise i think tradition is just you know whether it's in sports whether it's in entertainment whether it's in family customs i think tradition is just stuff you do out of habit without you know critical thought and it could be good it could be bad but it's just something you do without thinking and it has no other meaning other than that you know that's my view of it so when those guys decided to do the curtain call, I thought that the, the story was they told the agents at the back saying, hey, we want to go out into the crowd and just wave or something. And they got the green light that they could go do that. It wasn't, mm-hmm. and there was just some other guys maybe who were not aware. And then that was the, the kerfuffle afterward at the back. But um, yeah, actually I got no opinion. What about you? I, it's, it's funny, you actually might've swayed me to almost be, have no opinion in a way okay. you're right it's like no it's actually a good thing i i always thought it was much to do about nothing anyways um yeah. once i was smart enough to it um the click because a lot of people are going to say that well you know guys like bam bam guys like dean douglas guys like i don't know apparently scott hall used to say that brad you have to care about your pay because if you don't care about your pay it you know it, it's trickle down right like if, if you at, if, if you tell Vince that like you're okay with 250k that means you know I have to take a okay. hit as well yeah what would you say um 
their overarching influence. And then, of course, they get, even though they weren't the first to have guaranteed contracts at WCW, they're often credited as that. This is for the purposes of my question, say that Nash, Hogan, and Hall were like, you know, 96, they were the first guys to, to get um, guaranteed contracts. Like a lot of the click and the guaranteed contracts and the uh, favored nations, like, it's funny that for me, because I remember, I don't know if you remember, uh, no, yeah, of course you remember. I take that and I take the NBA lockout, the Lockie, the hockey strike, the, uh, in mind you, I might be mixing up lockouts versus strikes. I'm just, let's just call it, you know, work stoppages in the um, NBA, NHL, and and baseball in the mid nineties. And I, I always remember was like, Oh my God, these are, the narrative always was spoiled athletes, spoiled athletes, spoiled yeah, athletes. That's right. And in a lot of, and in a lot of ways, you know, the click got the same rap. Oh, spoiled bunch of guys always looking up yeah. at the bottom line and, and Scott Hall going to WCW. Oh my God. He's asking for guaranteed contract. He can, you know, it doesn't matter if he works three days a month or, or 30, like he's going to get the same. Um, like looking back on that, maybe we're too young to, to know the intricacies of it, but I'm sure when shoot interviews were coming, were becoming a thing in the 2000s and people were going back 10 years ago, revisiting those things, like we, you and I probably certainly, certainly had opinions on that. So what do you, what do you take from that era of the click, their influence, oh. um, and looking after their bottom line? It's really age well, right? Like you're right that they were they were vilified greatly, and especially if you were a Brett fan, you had to hate those guys because of guilt with association with Sean, right? So Mm -hmm. I would say I didn't have a high opinion of the Click in general, just because of all the you knew that they were anti-Brett. That's that's the that was the feeling we had. That we later learned that's a little more nuanced than that. Like Brett would come out and say, you know, he never had a he never really had a problem with with Razor or or diesel or like it was really just sean and um and over the years now part of it is because of the way the narrative has been shaped and you ha- it helps to have a one of the click become like the chief of i forget whatever talent relations whatever triple h's position was like we are in charge of content creation and it helps to have that guy there to sort of shape the narrative but but they've stood the test of time and and i think their stories have come to light more and you realize like some of the other guys who were complaining, be it Bam Bam and Vader and um, Shane Douglas, whoever, like there was just a lot of sour grapes and you're going to find that in life where some people, they're going to blame others. Like um, I think, I think that in terms of Vince and his treatment of talent there, it was mixed bag. I don't know if the idea of sport athletes, that that notion carried to wrestling the same way, just because everybody knew how like how wrestlers were paid and treated compared with because the people would compare them against hey look what the professional baseball players and basketball players and football players make and look how they're like they have these insurance plans and all this stuff compared with a wrestler right and so so there was always that notion now i do think the idea of which is this is getting a bit outside the click but you remember when wrestlers would get the new sold out chance when they would leave one company to go to another Mm -hmm. if it was Mm -hmm. known like i think that those don't those don't age well either yeah they don't age well and i'm not sure if anyone really thinks that way anymore right because no you know there's just a greater awareness like i think i think mick foley doesn't get as much credit for what he wrote in that book saying well i I, did i really sell out because i I, I my values were i want to do what i love 
I want to get paid as much as I possibly can. I want to take care of my family. And as long as I'm not compromising on those three values, then I don't think I've sold out. And I didn't. So by leaving ECW for WWF, I still fulfilled those values. So I didn't sell out. So I think that stuff like that, I think, changed the flip the script. Um, so I got a bit off topic there with, with the click. Um, um, yeah, they, I, I think I think they're branded more now as renegades because of that and and trailblazers. Yeah. And it's funny because I think I don't think the WWE produced the click documentary. I think it was WWE in conjunction with like Sky. I saw some documentary on it and again scott hall is a great worker he'll be like oh hey man we were man we just love the business so much so anytime we can have a, a sit down with the old man you know hey vince man we, we really care about the business and you know do you have five minutes um we just don't think this program is going to work like everything was um the preamble was they cared so much about the business and oh by the way um yeah bury this guy i don't want a job to him right um <laughs> So they were very coy about that. I, I think actually one of the more brilliant things that I, I actually think Brett kind of misses the boat on sometimes, or maybe he doesn't, maybe maybe from what I've read or what he says, because on one hand, he'll say that, well, you know, Nash and Hall, they really wanted me to come in 96 when I talked to Eric and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen the next year in 97. And then as soon as I got there, they tried to bury me. And it's like, well, yeah, Brett, they want you to come because if you're the second highest paid guy in WCW, it's Hogan number one, you number two, Dennis Rodman number three, that means when their contract's up, you know, they have a stake in it because they, they can be like, well, I want Brett money. Whereas before they wanted Sting money or before that they wanted Ric Flair money. Yeah. Now you're the guy they want the money. So I think that was like something that maybe Brett didn't quite calibrate or maybe maybe just, I just didn't, you know, didn't think he, he, he fully grasped, but... Yeah, I mean, listen, man, but the funny thing is, like, the Click did what they did, right? And Brock Lesnar is, like, celebrated as the guy that, like, when his contract's up, he goes to Dana White, and Dana White offers him something. And then he'll go back to Vincent Man and he goes, well, this is what Dana's offering me, so you have to match it. And Paul Heyman's like, yeah, 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 you got to, you know, Brock's a mercenary, and, you know, I'm going to get the highest paid. And Brock is, like, celebrated now. Um, I think Brock was one of the first one of the first guys to use an agent, one of the actual agents, I think. Um, well, Barry Bloom could was be wrong, considered but... an agent, right? No, yeah, I think they all I mean. use Barry Bloom. Oh, okay. Yeah. He wasn't the first, okay. Um, perfect, man, perfect. All right, now, um, Scott left a lot of indelible memories. Great, great memories, great impact on the business. You can see just the groundswell of just uh, sentiment from everyone. So I'm glad to get to reminisce about him. All right, man. Yeah, for sure, Jason, this was good. Cool. All right. Take care. Take care.